Hey, what a joy to be here this morning. Um, the last several weeks we've been talking about the subject of having crazy faith. And we've been looking at different uh, characters in the Bible. We started last week looking at the story of Noah and uh, his life. And this morning we're going to look at the story of Elijah. We were going to look at a different character, but since the music all went with Elijah, I thought we would just switch and go to with Elijah. No, I'm kidding. We actually talked about that. Uh, a great story uh, in the book of First Kings. So if you have your Bible, I know you're used to the verses being on the screen. But if you have a Bible or an app, I want you to pull it out because we're going to read the whole chapter. But we're going to take it bit by bit this morning. And uh, we'll get back to putting the verses up on the screen uh, for you next week. Um, I'm all for technology, by the way, and I love digital stuff. And I'm, I'm usually the first one to buy the new gadgets when they come out. But there's something about holding this book. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. There's something about being able to feel the book. Nothing wrong with the, the apps, and I do that sometimes too. But I, I've wondered quite often if the digital world crashes in the future, what will we do if we don't have this right here? And I bring that up because I've got to say thank you again to you, Crossroads family. You, you may feel like the other week when I mentioned the Bible's needed in Malawi and Mozambique in passing, you, you may have thought, well, I'll help a little bit and I'll pray for them and not a big deal. Uh, I think I told you that you as a church family gave enough for uh, 600 Bibles. One whole entire congregation received their very first Bible in their native language they had ever had. And through those crusades that happened over the last two weeks, uh, I got a text this morning from uh, Pastor Mark Zimbiri. 280 people came to know Jesus. Wow. Wow. Thank you. That is the kind of crazy stuff I want to see happen. Not just in Africa, but in South Carolina, in Five Forks, in Crossroads Church, in Jack Eason's heart and life. So we're going to look at 1 Kings 18. Before we get to 1 Kings 18, let me tell you a little bit about the person that we're going to be reading about, if you don't know. Uh, in Elijah's time... Much like 2019, uh, culture defined what God was and who God, uh, who they wanted God to be. There were a lot of false prophets, a lot of people who were claiming to follow God, but they were confused, much like they are in 2019. I have a lot of my friends that I like to call pre-believers who have not yet come to Jesus and many of them will describe to me the Jesus that they think I follow. And when they describe their version of Jesus, I have to tell them that's not the Jesus that I follow. That's a different version that you've heard out in the world, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And that confusion was going on even in Elijah's day. And yet he decided he was going to stand strong and stand up. And ultimately, we'll discover stand alone. I think we need that kind of boldness in today's world. We need some people that will stand up with some crazy faith. Israel, at this point in history, uh, had not received rain for more than three years. Now, it's interesting. We talked about Noah and the rain and the flood. But we have another point in history where the world had not received rain for three years. And the people found themselves in this situation, some of you know. Why? Because of idolatry. You know, the people of Israel, they would follow God. 
Then they would turn away from God. They would turn to idols. They would repent. They would come back to God. They would follow God. They would turn away from God. It was, it was like this. Roller coaster lifestyle. And yet I make fun of them sometimes and then I look in the mirror. And I go, wow, that, that might be me. So before we get to 1 Kings 18, let me just summarize for you, because we need to know what happens in 1 Kings 17, what happens. And in 1 Kings 17, what happens is God has spoken to Elijah. He tells him to go to this area called the Kareth Ravine. And Elijah goes to the ravine, and God says, when you get there, you're probably going to be hungry. I'm going to send ravens to feed you. And God does. God sends ravens to feed him. But all of a sudden, the brook dries up. And God said, hey, there's a widow over in Zarephath. And if you will go see this widow, she will feed you. And so he goes to see the widow, and sure enough, just as God had promised, uh, the widow fed him, and she even fed him, though her flour and oil that she had was not very plentiful. She only had a little bit. And, but somehow the flour and the oil continued to multiply, much like the little boy with the loaves and fishes. And so she continued to do what God had told her to do, and so did Elijah. But then her son got sick. And when her son got sick, he actually passed away. And she thought, what, what have I done? Why, after the way I've served you and I've provided this flour and the oil, why would the God, your God let my son die? And Elijah says, don't worry. And he goes in over her son, and he falls across her son, and he begins to pray for her son. And God's way of particular, particularly deciding to heal her son at that time was to bring him back to life doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes God has a different plan for healing. But in this particular case, he brought him back to life. So we enter into chapter 18 with that backstory of what happened in chapter 17. And why is that important? It's important because here's the first lesson that we learn from Elijah. In order to have crazy faith, the prerequisite to having crazy faith is having some little, little bit of faith to start with. When we, when we had this weight bench up here several weeks ago, we talked about working out the faith muscle. And sometimes I look at those great warriors and people that we would say in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 where it talks about the hall of faith and we hear stories about Abraham and Noah or maybe even in today's world we think about people like, again, we were at the Cove yesterday. I think about one of my spiritual heroes, Billy Graham. And I sometimes think, oh, I just would love to be like Billy Graham. Billy Graham didn't start off as Billy Graham. Well, his name was Billy Graham, but not the Billy Graham that we identify with. It started off with small exercises of faith, and his faith got so big that he just started to believe everything this book says. Despite what culture said, he chose to believe this book. Oh, to be a person like that, that is what I want to be. Then we get to 1 Kings 18, so let's read it together. We'll stop along the way this morning. Verse, starting with verse 1, it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Three years of no rain, the third year. And he said, go and show yourself to Ahab, King Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. And the famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. 
Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Now, listen to how the Bible describes Obadiah, because this is very important. It says, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we will find grass and keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land between them to survey it. And Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. All right, take a break. Everybody look, engage your mind. I know we're reading a long passage, so don't check out on me. It's amazing how we can read books and comic books and watch hour-long movies and we get into God's Word and we read for two minutes and people start to go to sleep. Don't do that. Don't let the enemy do that. Okay? Keep reading with me. Verse 7, as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him and he recognized him and fell on his face and he said to him, is this you, Elijah, my master? Now remember that because in a little while, Elijah's going to get a different kind of greeting from King Ahab. It's not going to be quite as nice. But he says, is this you, Elijah, my master? And verse 8, he said to him, it is, it is I. Go and say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? In other words, you want me to go tell the king you're here? He's looking for you. If I go tell the king you're here and you run off, he's going he's to kill me. And he says in verse 10, As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not been sent to search for you. King Ahab has been looking for him. And when they said, He's not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear that they could not find you. And now, verse 11, you are saying, Go say to your master, Behold, Elijah's here. And it will come about when I leave you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know. So when I come and I tell Ahab and he can't find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Verse 13, has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, that I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water? And now you are saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. He will then kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Let's stop right there for just a minute. Obadiah is a very interesting person. We don't have time to go into him. Just this last week when I was kind of reading this again for about the 100th time refreshing my memory, I had never really thought about Obadiah before, but he's a very interesting person. What in the world is he doing there? Notice how God took him to be at the right place at the right time to orchestrate, God orchestrating these divine appointments, these connections. And so I, Obadiah is here, and we, we know from these verses that we read that he knew God from his youth when he was really young. He was still serving God. I'm so glad that we focus here at Crossroads on preschool and children and young people. Because there are many of us, maybe in this congregation, that know God because we met him very, very early when we were young. I, I don't know about you. I hope it doesn't bother you. But I love to hear the stampede on Sunday mornings when they go out. That's a beautiful sound. I picture them just stepping all over the devil's head as they run out of the sanctuary. 
And Obadiah was one of those people who had grown up learning about God from his youth. We have a big responsibility as parents to teach our kids about Jesus. But Obadiah also could have bailed. Isn't it interesting, and I just noticed this for the first time this week, that Obadiah, here he is, he knows God, he's walked with God from his youth, but look at who he's serving. He's serving King Ahab. Most of us would look at that and say, Obadiah, why don't you go get a Christian job? What are you doing out there in the secular world? And yet I think God used him and used his influence to orchestrate the story that's about to happen, which is going to be incredible. Sometimes we think because we are followers of Christ that we need not go out in the world as bad as it is that we kind of withdraw. And what happens when we withdraw is we lose our influence in the world. And Obadiah now, right hand to the king, one of the servants of the king. But it gets even better because verse 17 says this. It came about when Ahab saw Elijah that he said, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Well, it's a different kind of greeting than he got from Obadiah, isn't it? Obadiah's like, is it you, master? King Ahab's like, oh, here, is it you, the troublemaker? Different kind of greeting, but look what happens. Here's what he says to him, and he said, I have not troubled Israel, Elijah says, but you and your father's house have. But you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the bales. Then he says, Now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Can you feel the tension? I want to encourage you as you read the word of God to put yourself in the scene to try to visualize and get the smells and the sounds. Here he is by himself walking up to the king and challenging him to a duel. <laughs> Pretty scary. He goes and he tells the king to gather all of Israel to come to Mount Carmel. Not only the false prophets of Baal, but oh, by the way, if that's not enough, bring those 400 prophets of the false goddess Asherah along with you. Just bring everybody. Because we're getting ready to have a, a hoedown. And we're going to show you who the one true God is. Isn't it interesting? One of the things that you'll note here that I saw is stepping out in crazy faith. Will oftentimes have you standing against the opposition. If you and I want to be men and women that have crazy faith. If we think it's going to be a rose petal covered road. We are sorely mistaken. Because there are going to be challenges along the way. There's going to be opposition along the way. And sometimes it's even from the religious people. King Ahab would have said he was a religious person. Why do I know that? Because he had all these false gods. We're in 2019. We're in a culture where a lot of people will tell you if you have a conversation with, well, I'm a religious person. I love it when people tell me that because I like to say religion will kill you. Because I'm not a religious person. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and there's a big difference. It's a relationship that we have with the sovereign God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so here we have this incredible prophet Elijah stepping out on faith and stepping out to face this opposition, but it gets even scarier. Ahab sends the message. He does what 
Elijah asks. He sends this message among all the sons of Israel. It says in verse 20, let's keep reading. And he brings the prophets together at Mount Carmel. It's getting ready to be a showdown. And Elijah, in verse 21, came near to all the people and he said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. If you want to live a lifestyle of crazy faith, you better be prepared for some times of silence. Elijah goes in front of the people and he asks him, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? And it was crickets. Much like our world that we live in. Have you noticed you cannot get a straight answer from anyone? Movie stars, political leaders, if you say, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, uh, they're all over the place. You cannot get a straight answer. Many times they will be quiet. They will be silent. And if you and I are going to be people of crazy faith, we need to prepare ourselves for a lot of silence. It's actually lukewarmness. The book of Revelation tells us, John tells us in the book of Revelation, you're either hot or you're cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of your mouth. James tells us that we are double-minded. We're like a ship that's being tossed to and fro on the seas of life because we're over here and we're over here. And basically what Elijah's saying is, make up your mind. Are you going to serve Baal? If you can, go all out with Baal. Are you going to serve the one true God? How long will you waver between two opinions, but the people remain quiet and noncommittal. So let's see what happens. Verse 22, Elijah says to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And then he starts to give them some instructions. He says, let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare another ox, and I will lay it on wood, and I will not put a fire under it. And then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered and said, sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a good idea. Verse 25, so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. You're going to stand alone, and you're going to be experiencing crazy faith. You have to do what Elijah did sometimes. Verse 22, he says, I am alone. I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. Men and women, I believe there's a day coming. I'm not looking forward to it necessarily, but I believe there's a day coming where we're going to have opportunities, whether we like it or not, presented to ourselves, whether we get to decide to be for Jesus or to deny Jesus, and we're going to feel like we're all alone. I think I told you the story before where I was in English class with a young lady named Kathy, and the English teacher, if I told you this, began to make fun of the Bible. And we're having this discussion and she made fun of the Bible and she began to make fun of my friend Kathy. And because she said, Kathy, you really believe that book, the Bible? And she said, yes, I believe the Bible. She said, you believe that story, Jonah and the whale, really happened? She said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, as a matter of fact, she said, I believe if the Bible said that 
Jonah swallowed the whale instead of the whale swallowing Jonah, I would believe that. And people began to chuckle and even the teacher began to laugh at her. And I'd love to tell you that this junior high or junior in high school stood up for her and went to her aid and said, yes, I'm a believer too, but I was silent. Much like the people in this story. And sometimes we're going to find ourselves standing all along, but the story continues. Because after the people say that's a good idea, Elijah begins to give them more instructions. He gives them the opportunity to get their ox ready and their altar ready first. And then he says in verse 26 that they took the ox which was given to them, they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered, and they leaped about the altar which they had made. In verse 27, it came about at noon that Elijah began to mock them. I wish somebody would make a motion picture of this story in the Bible, because this is incredible. He starts to make fun of the false prophets, and he says, why don't you call out with a louder voice? Because if he's God, maybe he's occupied, and in the original language, I'm not making this up, the original language is maybe he is in the restroom. Maybe he's occupied, maybe he's in the bathroom, maybe he is asleep. I'm, I'm serious, that's what, the, that's what the text says. Maybe he's gone outside. Maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and you just need to wake him up. In verse 28, they cry out even louder and they begin to cut themselves as it was the custom back then to get their God's attention. They begin to cut themselves and start to bleed and their clothes begin to get saturated with blood and they're running around like a bunch of crazy people. In verse 29, it came about when midday was past that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he prepared the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. I just really wrapped my head around that verse this week. Because all these things are going on. And what did the people want? Don't miss this. What did the people want? The people wanted rain. The people wanted what they wanted. Were they going to serve the one true God for, for any uh, other reason? No, it was ulterior motive. They wanted rain, so they were finally willing. That's why Elijah's not dead yet. That's why King Ahab has not killed him yet. He's waiting to see if your God delivers rain, then okay, everything's all good because we'll get what we want. And it's so important that we don't miss what the scripture says right here. Because it says, Elijah said, come near to me, verse 30. And then he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Men and women, if we want to hear from God, if we want to be people of crazy faith, we will have to change our heart motive. We will have to change our ulterior motive to, oh, we want to see God show up for us. Or, oh, we want to see more people so that there's more people in here in this auditorium. Whatever our ulterior motive will be, we will have to surrender that to the king and say, you're the one true God. Do whatever you want to do. Not my agenda, not my will, but your will be done. And so Elijah is trying to demonstrate to them before we even call out to God and you get what you want. We're going to rebuild the altar of the Lord so you know who's getting ready to show up. We live in a culture where the altar has been torn down. 
The altar of the Lord has been torn down and Elijah says, we're gonna do first things first, so here's what he does. I love this. He took 12 stones symbolizing the tribes of the son of Jacob. In verse 31, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed, this huge trench around the altar. Then he arranges the wood, and he cuts the ox into pieces, and he lays it on the wood, and he says, all right, go get four pitchers with water and pour it all over this burnt offering in the wood. And they do. And he says, go do it again. And they do. And he says, go do it a third time. And they do. And the water flowed around the altar, and it was filled the trench with water. That's quite a demonstration, isn't it? He better, he better hope God shows up because he's really, he's, he's, got, he's, he's got water all over this altar. There's no magic trick. There's no pyrotechnics. There's no wire running out to some trigger where he can, you know, boom. There's none of that. You know what that tells me about Elijah? It tells me confidence in the one true God results in crazy faith. Oh, men and women, I want to have that kind of confidence in God. Now, I'm not talking about stepping out doing something crazy for the sake of being crazy, but being willing to do whatever God tells me to do and trusting the results to him. And you talk about being out on a limb, that's about as far out on a limb as you can get. Where the altar is there, people are watching, all the false prophets are watching. I mean, it's a crowd of people. He's poured water on this not once, not twice, but three times it's, pour, it's running all over the place. So if he had matches, they're not going to work. And now he gets ready to call out on God to show up. And what happens, verse 36, it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near, and here's what he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Key phrase there. We have to follow his word if we want to see results like this. Not our own little agenda or plan, but the word of God. He says in verse 37, Answer me, O Lord, please answer me, that the people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them from there. Wow. What does that tell me? It tells me stepping out in crazy faith will always have you amazed at God. I've got to be honest with you. I look at our, our Christian, quote-unquote, Christian world, even things of the church sometimes, and I think about people outside the walls that look at those of us who say we're Christ followers, and I think the reason that they doubt, the reason they've not yet come through those doors, and if you're visiting here, by the way, today, I'm glad you're here. You are welcome. You are welcome. But I think there's many that have not yet visited 
many who have not yet come through the doors of our churches. And maybe the reason why is they see nothing happening that requires crazy faith. And what they see a lot of churches doing, praise God, it's not going to be this church, but what they see a lot of churches doing is going through the motions of human things that we in our humanity can accomplish. And when we can accomplish in our humanity, we don't need a God that's mighty to show up. And Elijah was so far out on that limb, if God had not shown up, oh my goodness, can you hear it? Womp, womp, womp. I mean, it would have just been major failure. Can you imagine? I mean, God, can we try this again? All these people are watching, and yet God shows up. Because he's God, yes, but I think about the crazy faith that Elijah had. And so verse 41, let's finish up the chapter. Elijah says to Ahab, Now get up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Was it raining yet? Not yet. Not yet. Talk about vision. But he hears it. Maybe it's in his mind's eye. I don't know. But he's, he says, I'm hearing the sound of the roar of a heavy shower in verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. But Elijah went up to the top of the mountain. And he crouched down on the earth. And he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. So his servant went and looked and said, nope, there's nothing. And he said, go back. And seven times his servant goes out to the ocean to look and to see if there's any clouds coming in. In verse 44, it came about at the seventh time that his servant came back and said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming in from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot. I hope you have four-wheel drive. And go down, because this heavy shower is not going to stop you. And so it came about in a little while that the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And on the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. And the story continues, but for sake of time, we won't get there this morning. A few questions for you to think about and for me to think about this morning. Elijah had been praying which tells me at the end when he got down on his knees, in order for us to live with crazy faith, there has to be some communion and some conversation and some prayer, some fellowship with God. The more time we spend with God, we were reminded this weekend, my wife and I with Kay and David Author, this is our life. This book. And the more time that we spend in this word, the more that we will trust the God of the word and the more that we trust the God of the word, the greater our belief and the greater our faith will be. And the greater our belief and the greater our faith will be, the more willing we will be to live according to the world dangerously because to them it will be crazy, but to us who know the God that we serve, it will be like, oh, he's got this. He's got this. So how can we put our confidence in God this morning? A few questions for you to think about. Where is God asking you today to demonstrate crazy faith? Have you talked with God about this area of your life consistently? How is your daily communion with the God of the universe? Are you ready to demonstrate confidence in an awesome God? Maybe you find yourself in this place today. 
and you hear the story of Elijah, and you're like, wow, I want to see things like that happen in my life. Good, because I do too. But God's got God's to work that faith muscle in me so that I can believe that he can do it. Here's the problem. The problem is not that God can't do the big thing. The problem is I don't sometimes believe he can do the big thing. It's not a matter of can he do it. He can do anything he wants to do. The problem is do I believe he can do it? Would you pray with me this morning while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation in just a moment. And I would ask you, fellow believer, child of God, Christ follower this morning, where is God challenging you to step out in crazy faith? Have you asked them? Maybe it's with your marriage, maybe it's with your family, maybe your kids, maybe your job. Maybe a loved one, maybe a friend you've been trying to share Jesus with. In just a minute, this altar is going to be open and I want to invite you to come down and you can share that with myself or you can just kneel here at the altar and pray and share that with God. Whatever he leads you to do is fine. But I'm going to ask you to respond in just a moment as Joey leads us in his hymn of invitation. For others of you, maybe you're visiting today, maybe, you're, maybe you've been here for 20, 30, 40 years and you'd say this morning, the, the God of the Bible that we just read about, I'm not sure I know that kind of a God. The all-powerful all sovereign, huge God that can do things like that. And this morning you may say, I need to know that God. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you in just a moment to come down front and grab my hand. I'd love to pray with you and share with you how you can know that kind of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Because if you think that miracle is incredible, there's an even better miracle. And that is that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for you and me and pay the penalty of our sin, and the world thought we have won because he is dead. And God said, no, no, no. You haven't seen anything yet. And three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the kind of God that we serve. Lord Jesus, we give you this time of decision. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in each and every heart in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, and we will sing together as we have our time together.